we continue the series on the fruit of the Spirit, as we find in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23, the first part, but the fruit of the Spirit, and then we take the word, the first word, in verse 23, gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness. And then we will sing after the sermon from Psalm 37, the stanzas 3, 5, and 16. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, when we think of gentleness, we usually think of it as being a passive, timid quality. A gentle person is not someone who is strong or assertive. He lets all kinds of things go that other people would be upset about. A gentle person doesn't fight back. He is passively submissive. He lets injustices go for the sake of peace. But is that the right picture of gentleness? No, it isn't. Have you ever seen a large horse pull a fully loaded wagon? I have, in my previous congregation of Neerlandia, one of the farmers owns many horses including those big Belgian horses which are used for their strength. And sometimes he will hire two of his horses, a wagon and himself, out to groups of people who want to have a hay ride or a sleigh ride. And he can put some 20 or 30 people on that wagon and those two horses will pull it. They will even pull that load up on inclines. It is amazing how strong those animals are. Yet all the farmer would do is to speak gently to the horses, and those huge animals would do exactly as the farmer would tell him. They will turn left and right and stop whenever they are told to do so. It's quite amazing to see how well-trained those horses are and how strong they are. It is a delight to see man and horse at work. What is most astounding is that you have a man who weighs no more than perhaps 200 pounds or a little less maybe, and this man has total control over those horses, each of which would weigh at least a ton. If those horses didn't want to obey his owner, one of them could have kicked him right into the next county. Instead, those strong beasts full of muscle had humbled their will to that of their owner. Those big, strong Belgium horses are strength under control. Well, that's also what the Bible refers to when it refers to gentleness. Gentleness is like a Belgian horse. It is strength under control. Gentleness especially has to do with obedience. It has to do with the fact that you hold back your natural inclinations for the sake of your Lord and Master and for the sake of others. It is that kind of gentleness that God wants us to display. And that is what I will preach to you about this morning. Let us listen to the preaching of God's Word as I've summarized it under the following theme. Bear fruit by being gentle. And then we will see two things. First of all, be obedient. Secondly, be strong. Let me state that once again. Bear fruit 
by being gentle. First, be obedient. Second, be strong. And the word that is used here in the original language is closely related to the word which is used by the Lord Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount in the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The word meek in this text and the word gentleness come from the same root in the Greek language. And here we see the limitation of any translation in conveying exactly what is meant by another word in a foreign language. You can only get an approximation. An exact translation is rarely possible. And so it is important that we have a clear understanding of what the author had in mind with this word. And in order to see what is truly meant with this term, let us look at some well-known human examples. Let's look at Abraham, for example. He was a meek and a gentle man. How do I know this? Well, that's what the scriptures say about him. We read in James 2, verse 23, that a scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. He believed. What exactly did he believe? Well, when the Lord God said to him that he must leave all his relatives and go to the land where the Lord would show him, he obeyed, and he packed his belongings, and he went. He left everything behind, including his family. He didn't complain. He did not consider his own position in life, but he went. For the Lord had called him. He was obedient. And later with Lot, we again see Abraham's meekness. He allows Lot to take the first choice of the land. And then Abraham takes what is left. Again, he sets aside his own interests, his own position, and he allows another person to assert himself. And that is why he is also called God's friend. For the word friend in the English language comes from the Greek word for meekness, humility. A friend is a meek person. He seeks your well-being rather than his own. Same thing can be said about David. David was a very good friend of Jonathan, Saul's son. And David doesn't say to Jonathan, I have been anointed by the Lord to be king over Israel, and so now help me to overthrow your father. No, David does not insist on his own rights. He is willing to wait. He knows that not his own honor is at stake, but the honor of the Lord. And what about Moses? Here we have another example of meekness. The Bible also clearly states that. In Numbers 12, verse 3, it says about him, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Why is he called humble or meek or gentle? Moses did not fight his own cause. No, he fought the cause of the Lord. He did not consider his own position as a prince in Egypt to be of any significance. He gave it all up. He went into the desert for 40 years. Moses could have stayed at the court of Pharaoh and enjoyed the luxuries and privileges that went along with being a prince, a son of the daughter of Pharaoh. But Moses did not want any part of that worldly court. 
He did not want to be part of the oppression by the Egyptians of God's covenant people. And furthermore, Moses did not have a high opinion of himself either. He did not even think that he was capable of being God's spokesman. And so when it came to his dealings with the people of Israel, he was a very meek man. He was self-effacing. He knew his own sinfulness. He knew that of his own he was nothing, that he had nothing to offer. Moses was not a proud man. Same thing can be said about some of the New Testament saints. Paul, for example. Paul also knew himself to be worthless without God. In Romans 7, Paul cries out in his agony about his own ability to do good. What a wretched man I am, he cries out. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Throughout all of his letters, Paul writes to the various congregation that he has absolutely nothing to boast of. He even reminds them time and again of the terrible sins he has committed against God and his people. And he does so also in his letter to the Galatians. In the first chapter, verse 13 and 14, he says, For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Paul was a humble man. He knew how to abase himself. He knew his own unworthiness. And in that sense, meekness, gentleness, is a human quality. God is not a lowly person. There is no reason for him to be meek. For he is the almighty creator who has all things in his hands. He does not need to elevate himself. No, he is the great one, the high one, and the mighty one. However, in the New Testament, we do see that Christ is referred to as a meek person. Christ says that of himself. He says in Matthew 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The Greek word for gentle in the text is the same as in our text. How can Christ call himself humble if that is not a divine quality? Well, brothers and sisters, that is because he took that quality of humility, of meekness upon himself. He did not consider the position that he had with his father in heaven something to hang on to for dear life. No, he held that high position which he had with that father, he discarded. He threw it all away. And he took upon himself human nature. Now, that is what you call humbling yourself. That is the ultimate act of meekness, of humility. A more humble deed has never been done than when Christ came to the earth in the flesh. And what is more, he not only took on human nature with its inherent quality of lowliness, nothingness, meekness, but he who knew no sin was made to be sin. Instead of, his, of insisting on his right to be worshipped and served, he became a servant. He became a servant for you and for me. 
He did not insist on his own rights of God. If he had, then he would never have come down to this filthy world full of sin and misery. And then he would never have come down to redeem us. He would have stayed where he was, at the side of his father. And he would never have taken on human flesh and allowed himself to be punished as he was. For how he had to suffer. He had to endure all kinds of hardships. Listen to what Peter has to say about his suffering. In 1 Peter 1, verse 21 and following. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. But above all, we can see in his humility the way that he submitted himself to lawful authority. He submitted to his own parents, even though they did not understand him. And he submitted himself to the authority of the Roman Empire, even though he recognized it as an evil empire. But his meekness can especially be seen in the way that he submitted himself to his heavenly father. He came to earth to do his father's will, no matter what the cost that would be for him. Christ gives us the example of how we should be truly humble and meek and gentle. And so now I hope you understand what the eighth fruit of the Spirit is. But let me spell it out just in case it is not quite clear. A meek person is a person who submits himself to his master, to the Lord. He doesn't rail against authority, but accepts all legitimate authority as coming from God, even when that authority is not used in the way that God intended. Meekness means submission. And that brings us to the second point. As I said, some people think that being meek or gentle means that you submit yourself always and that you therefore are a weakling and a wimp. He or she lets everything happen to him or her. He doesn't insist on his own rights. He doesn't assert himself. He lets everybody walk over him without any sign of protest, and he quietly suffers. However, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, Nothing is farther from the truth. For let's look once more at the previous examples. Do you think that Abraham or Moses or David were weaklings? Do you think that they allowed themselves to be pushed around? Is that what you think of Moses? Think of how assertive he could be. And so, of course not. You think of them as being quite able to stand up and be counted. And what about the Apostle Paul? Was he a pushover? Well, if you carefully read through his letter to the Galatians, you certainly won't think so. For look at the way that Paul asserts himself. In the first place, he certainly knows how to defend his own position. As a matter of fact, he draws attention to himself by telling the Galatians about how he has labored for the Church of Christ. He tells them what he has done since his conversion, how he met with the original apostles, and how he even disputed with them. He writes even about an encounter that he had with the apostle Peter 
about the worthiness of circumcision. Listen to what he says in chapter 2, verse 11 and following. He writes there, When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So that doesn't sound like somebody who lets it all happen, does it? On the contrary, he even accuses the Apostle Paul about not being straightforward about the truth. That is quite a strong statement that he makes about his fellow apostle. And yet, Paul even has it recorded in one of his letters, in his letter to the Galatians. And what about Christ? He was a gentle and a meek person. He was the epitome of meekness. But if there was anyone who was not weak, it was he. If there was anyone who truly asserted himself, it was Christ. For you see, brothers and sisters, when you think of meekness and gentleness... Do not think that that refers to weakness in character. Do not think that a gentle person is someone who will strive for peace at any price or who will do anything to avoid disagreement. No, someone who is meek and gentle is someone who knows who he is and what he stands for. He knows his own worth and he knows how to assert that worth. He knows his own strength And he knows when and how to use it. But do you know what else he knows about himself? He knows that his strength does not come from himself. He knows his limitations because of the fact that he is a great sinner. And for that reason, a meek person makes it a habit to be willing at all times to take a close look at himself. He's a serious student of the Bible. In the Bible, he finds a true reflection of himself. From God's word, he learns that he is not as good as he would like to think that he is. He learns in reality that without God, he is nothing but a failure, a fraud, and a miserable creature. And he is not afraid of the picture that the scriptures paint of him. Indeed, he goes to great lengths to discover what his weaknesses are. And he is also willing to have others point out his weaknesses. He is not afraid to ask others how he can be a better Christian, a better father, a better mother. He is not afraid to ask those who love him to help him improve and to overcome his many weaknesses. He is not afraid to have his weaknesses exposed. But what else does a meek or gentle person know about him or herself? He or she knows at the same time that he is a child of God. As a matter of fact, that's where you have to start. For if you don't do that, then you could not live with yourself. You see, a meek person has a keen sense of what it means to be a covenant child. He knows that the promises belong to him 
and that he is a child of God. And he knows that he himself has nothing to do with that wonderful fact. And therefore he does not seek his worthiness in himself, but in Christ. Paul is an excellent example of such meekness. Do you think that when he squared off with Peter concerning Peter's false stance with respect to the circumcision party, that Paul did so because he wanted to be right? Because he wanted others to know how good and how smart he is? Of course not. Paul did so because he realized that Peter's wrongful handling hurt not the cause of Paul in the first place, but the cause of Christ. And do you think that Peter minded the fact that Paul drew attention to their altercation in his letter to the Galatians? Do you think that Peter minded to have his former hypocrisy exposed? Well, I'm sure that it hurt, but he did not like the attention that had to be drawn to him in this way. But in the final analysis, Peter did not mind. Why not? Because Peter was also a meek man. Christ taught him such meekness when he exposed him for the betrayer and hypocrite that he was. For at one point, Peter thought quite highly of himself. He did not think that he would ever even betray, betray the Lord Jesus Christ. He even thought that he could bear the same sufferings as Christ. But then what happened? Christ humbled him. And therefore now as a meek and gentle person, Peter did not mind that his own weaknesses were exposed. For also Peter was intensely interested, not in his own position, his own honor and glory, but he was interested in the honor and glory of Christ. For you see, a meek and gentle person does not fight for his own name, but for the wonderful name and reputation of his Redeemer. He wants to do his Father's will, and therefore he is not afraid of criticism. Indeed, even though criticism may be painful, he nevertheless welcomes it so that he can grow, so that he can serve his Creator better, and so that others can learn from it. You see, he who is lowly does not fear to fall, for he knows that Christ will catch him and carry him in his arms. A high and mighty person, a proud one, is afraid to fall. Someone who has a high opinion of him or herself is afraid of criticism. For such a person also has a long way to go down. As Solomon says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And so a meek person does not glory in his own position. A lot of people are like that also amongst us. There are those who are very proud of what they have accomplished in life. They are proud that they have a better job or more money or or a nicer house or better kits than someone else. Or they're proud of the fact that they're better looking. And they also let others know that they think of themselves better than others. And so they use their position in order to intimidate others. And that can happen in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ as well. For there are those who are also proud of their position in the church. Office bearers can also be like that. Look at me. 
I've been chosen an elder and not you. And they like to appeal to their own position. They're not always weak, meek. And that is why the office bearer has to be careful that they do not, that he does not abuse his position. Ministers, elders, and deacons can do that when they insist on their own right because of their position. But that can be an abuse of power. And I'm not saying that a congregation ought not to honor the office bearers. Indeed, an, honest bear, an office bearer who rules well is worthy of double honor. But it is not an honor he insists on for himself, which he will automatically receive. But he does not automatically receive it only if he knows how to abase himself or whether, or however he will, if he knows himself to be a sinner. A humble office bearer does not make demands for his position. And a meek person does not wallow in self-pity either. He does not feel that everybody is always out to get him or her, that no one understands him. He does not say to himself, how wonderful I am. I wish everybody could just find out the real me. If they did, then they would realize that I'm not at fault, and that's everybody else's fault. No, a meek person thinks the opposite way. He is amazed that God accepts him as his covenant child. He is amazed because he knows how sinful he is. And he's also pleasantly surprised that others think him worthwhile. Now, please do not get the idea that we must constantly sit in sackcloth and ashes because of our sinfulness and that we have to go about life with our heads between our knees because of our sinfulness. Do not think that that is what meekness is all about. On the contrary, a meek person can hold his head up high. He can do so because he knows where his worthiness and strength and direction comes from. It comes from God himself. He is the one who holds the reins. He is the one who controls him, and he allows God to control him. If he is anybody at all, he knows that it is only because of Christ's work, because he has redeemed him, body and soul. And if that is the attitude that he has, he can also relate properly to others. The Apostle Peter tells us something about how that must be done. He tells us about our relationship with unbelievers. He says in 1 Peter 3, verse 15 and 16, But in your hearts set apart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Do it with gentleness. Same word as we have in our text. In other words, be humble and meek about it all. Don't try to make a defense of the faith or of yourself without doing it in meekness. Don't deal with others in an atmosphere of superiority. Be humble. Be gentle. And the same thing with regard to your relationship with your brother or sister in the Lord. And first of all, remember that as husbands and wives. In verse 3 and following of that same chapter, Peter says to the women, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of 
a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Again, a gentle, a meek, a humble spirit is required. Wives, do you want to win your husbands? Are there things about him which you would dearly like to change? Well, if you want to see any results, be gentle and meek about it. And the same thing goes for husbands in regard to their wives and parents over against their children. And also the same kind of attitude we ought to have in the household of faith. Paul says in Galatians 6 verse 1, Brothers, if, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Again, that same word, gentleness. Somebody who is led by the Spirit of God, who is truly a bearer of the fruit of the Spirit, approaches all matters in meekness and love. But a legalist, someone who acts in accordance with the weakness of the flesh, has an attitude of pride and condemnation. A legalist corrects another person in such a way as if he himself could never commit such a sin. But a believer who lives by grace knows that no one is immune from falling. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Again, a gentle person is someone who knows his own weaknesses. He knows that he is just as great a sinner as everybody else. And so let me ask you, are you a meek person? Are you gentle with those around you? Are you gentle in regards your dealings with your children, your wife, your husband, your fellow workers, with the people in the church? Remember what the opposite of meekness is. Someone who is not meek is rough, easily angered. He is brusque, judgmental, has a superior attitude. He is out of control. He does not allow himself to be reined in by his Lord and Master. He doesn't follow God's directions. Fight against such sin. Fight against such sin, brothers and sisters. Be meek in all your ways. Christ has redeemed you. He redeemed you because there is nothing good in you of your own. That is why Christ came. He came so that he could make you a somebody. He elevated you. He gives you strength. And that's all his doing. Only because of him are you a worthwhile person, a strong person. Be thankful for that fact. And stand in awe of his great mercy towards you. And then he will bless you. He will say, yes, this son, this daughter of mine was a meek and gentle person. I can see that that fruit of the Spirit took hold in his or her life. And so come to me, faithful servant, and I will make your lowly position a high one. You may come to me and sit with me around the throne of my Father. Amen.